Hello, everyone, and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. So I am so excited to share this week's episode with you. My guest and I will be unpacking financial expectations in dating and relationships. And yo, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know this is a topic. Anything pertaining to dating is something I've been trying to figure out how to talk about. And I hope, I think we did part of this conversation justice. And added something productive to the conversations that we hear on this topic every single day. So I do hope you enjoy it. So much fun recording it. My guest has been on the podcast before. So we've actually gotten to a point where we are repeating guests, which means there are a lot of episodes, which is a lot of fun. Um, I'm always happy to have anyone come and revisit any topic. So if there's someone you want to hear again, if you want to feature, if there's a topic you want to hear, hit me up. My DMs are always open. Um, you can follow us on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jeka on Twitter. And as always, let's keep the conversation going. I really would like to know your views and your experiences on this one. I absolutely love your engagement. So, yeah, without further, further ado, let's get straight into the episode. All right, so for today's episode, we are discussing relationship expectations with my favorite, one of my favorite people. Hey, Tina. Hey, what's happening? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here right now. Thank you for having me. You know I love being here. Yeah, always, always. So do you want to introduce yourself real quick and then we'll get started? I mean, you've been here before, but you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Tina, um, short for Tina Tsuimaka. I am a feminist activist, um, digital storyteller, I guess, um, and host of the Feminist Bar podcast. And yeah, all around feminist and all things gender, I guess. Okay, so you, as you know, I've spoken to you about this a little bit, like outside of the podcast and everything. But dating and relationships are a topic that I have tried to stay away from because I genuinely feel like I don't know what more to add to this discussion. It's something that's always cropping up on social media and it's the same chats with the same hot takes, the same think pieces. So I just wanted to take a little bit of a different angle to focus on some of the practicalities of relationship expectations in this episode. So are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm more than ready. Let's, right. let's do it. That's, all right, cool. Uh, so my first question for you is, are there justifiable economic expectations a person can have for their significant other? This is so layered, right? Because I was thinking about it in so many different ways. Um, and like the first way I was thinking about it is I am person A in whatever job I'm in, living wherever it is that I live, and I meet someone who has a similar background to me. Really, to put it, you know, quite frankly, to meet someone who is in the same, like, social class as me. This is, oh my God, I can't believe I'm starting this, like, with being so problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's less discourse around that and more discourse around like people accusing other people of like dating up. And that's where people start talking about like financial expectations. Cause it's like, Oh, like why do you have financial 
the expectations of me that you cannot even like fulfill for yourself but anyway the short answer is the reason i actually brought this up the reason i spoke about any of this was just to introduce like how layered this conversation is and like the different nuances that kind of come in the conversation but the short answer is i think there are financial expectations in any relationship and whether you're queer or whether you're heterosexual i don't know if you know dating is really going to be dating for you <laughs> if you're not um making some kind of financial contribution and different types of love and also seeing people experience like these big financial gestures and like it's almost like oh like if that's not happening in your relationship then it's not good enough um so when i say financial expectation i just mean that in order for you to enjoy anything in order for you to enjoy your own life unfortunately the way capitalism is set up is that you have to assimilate you have to buy things to bring yourself joy that's literally consumerism so i just don't see how you can enjoy any kind of friendship any kind of relationship i don't see how you can enjoy society and how you can interact with anyone else in any kind of capacity without having to spend money in some way shape or form and that is kind of the simple answer though i still um am kind of interested in the discourse around um people people's backlash about dating up or dating down or gold diggers i guess as misogynists would call it yeah that's my answer for christian what sorry i went on and on and on and on no that's that's actually perfect um i was thinking about it too as well and my thought process was not too different than yours because i would have financial expectations of somebody with a similar background to mine if that makes sense um, and then that would be like, okay, so when you think of someone in a different financial situation, are you thinking of it like dating down? Like if you're completely honest and point blank period about like your social class, your upbringing, those are the things that impact your expectations. So if there was someone who you were dating and if they were just putting it out there of a lower social class, would that change your expectations? Um, and that's a tough one to think of because then it will come up to what you're saying because I think to fully enjoy a relationship at some point or another money will be spent um, especially if it gets like pretty serious like if you're thinking of oh I want to get engaged and I want this kind of ring like it's stuff like okay but if you know this person doesn't make a lot of money for example what kind of ring can I reasonably expect and would I enjoy a ring that we can afford not one that i necessarily want just as an example um so yeah i thought about it in the same way but i really like what you've said and just putting it like just clearly out there at some point money will be spent so that's going to affect our expectations i think your relationship will with money will definitely impact your expectations in a romantic situation but in your experience, are there things that you consider as bare minimum financial economic expectations that are reasonable? Like just at the lowest of the low, regardless of your social standing, social class, whatever it is, what are some bare minimum aspects of relationships that you can like expect? Oh yeah, I love this one. I love this question. <laughs> I think anything that shows that you have gone out of your way to do the things that matter to your partner and to love them the way that they need to be loved, whether that's acts of service, even in the smallest way, on the smallest scale. And then I think kind of as the relationship progresses, 
feminine kind of grows a lot because you are now not only thinking of yourself in the way that you spend your money in the way that you receive your paycheck but you are also thinking about your partner so just speaking from the perspective of someone who has lived with their partner for quite a bit now i would say that like bare minimum quickly shifted from making sure that you know i get them one gift a month and like take them on like that one date or probably have something delivered to their house <laughs> to literally kind of like do they have sustenance do they have something to make sure that their teeth are brushed do they like all of these things where you think i only need to worry about this for myself i think once you're in a long term relationship that bare minimum becomes even more so even things like housing and like i don't know medical bills Mm. right i landed in the hospital in december my partner paid a large part of that bill because i didn't have money and not to say that they had to but you know it's kind of bad for me even though it's a huge 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 ask it's kind of like if it was her i would i would do it too we have to kind of take care of each other so for me i think that's bare minimum at this point being like the things that like contribute to our well-being and keep us going in our everyday life has now become the bare minimum and i know a lot of people at our age maybe that are not there or that are single or that are in new relationships have their own bare minimum i guess mm. but <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. The rest, the rest of that is pretty subjective. When you're still at the part of the relationship where you're taking care of yourself and you only have to worry about yourself, the lines are not as black and white. And I think it's also because there's a problem of just kind of like it's not going to take it there, but just like men being dishonest and unclear sometimes in their intentions and their actions, which has a bearing on like the financial standing of the relationship. But yeah. I feel like my answers are so long but Loki this is also what you get for having a podcaster on your podcast. <laughs> no, I love it and I'm here for for the long answers. Please keep it going. Um yeah, but I definitely agree with everything that you said. Um I think from my perspective as a heterosexual woman, um the bare minimum like the barometer shifts depending on the level of cool girl, quote unquote, that's been triggered in me. um sometimes in my head you know i can have all the standards i want but you meet someone and you kind of like them and that kind of like shifts like okay what are my expectations of the bare minimum and then at that point whatever perception i have of them doesn't matter um it's just like a thing of okay i just want them to do something or anything for me to justifiably be in this situation if that makes sense like sometimes the bare minimum would be like oh they just got me chicken in when i know fully like and well they could possibly take me to victoria 22 but because of like what you've said men being inherently dishonest for example you're just like well at least you know he might be wasting time but it's my time and i think that's what kind of shifts that aspect of bare minimum for me if i'm being completely honest but yeah i do think speaking to whatever your partner's needs are are very is very important and i think the longer you're in a relationship the more that bare minimum kind of increases and the more you need i mean it's like that twitter thread of that um 
girl who had left her boyfriend in Jamaica because he caught COVID. And she was like, oh, but I didn't want to spend, you know, money on 10 extra days in Jamaica. And I'm like, but that's like, that's standard though. Like, it doesn't matter what it costs. You don't leave your partner sick in a foreign country. You know what I mean? Yeah, period. (laughs) There are people that had like so many different ways of like justifying that, but that is definitely kind of the perfect example because for example, if you were to go to Jamaica with a complete stranger, uh, you catch COVID and they tell you, yo, I'm leaving you. You'd be like, damn, I'm hurt. But I mean, you don't know me. So I mean, cool. But of your partner or like of your friends, it would be like very expected. So yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, So for just this next question I have is for people who tend to, really water down or try to oversimplify feminist concepts in your from your view as the kind of feminist you are can splitting the bill be considered a form of equality in do this to me. kind of relationship do this to me i'm doing it <laughs> it's happening it's the people need to know the people need to understand okay where we stand with splitting the bill my water in the feminist discourse where do we stand with this? Okay. So um, I have two points on this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is that men are very bad at discourse because they have wild imaginations and they do not discourse from a place of reality, right? First of all. And then the second thing is that I am a big believer in starting from kind of like the bottom, like going up and not like top down when we are talking kind of about social justice. So the chat around men paying for dates, right? It comes from a place of, oh, like in an equal society, men and women should be paying like 50-50 for dates, right? Oh, but like, you know, feminism wants equality, so people should be paying for dates. That's fine but we're not even there yet how about we take it back to why men should be paid for dates how about we take it back to pink tax how about we take it back to the wage gaps and start the discourse of dates from there and i'm not even like trying to come on here and say oh my god like i did my eyebrows and i did my hair and that costs so much money so you should pay for the date but every single time a cis heterosexual woman or even a queer person goes on a date with a cis heterosexual man, chances are it's not going to be a good date, right? <laughs> yeah. Chances are, like, every time you go out with a man, you are putting yourself in danger, whether that is physical harm or literally just, like, sitting there and going through hell the entire time. A majority of cis heterosexual men are not pleasant people. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you actually think I'm quite unhinged, but you guys are not good people, Right. So we have all of these institutional barriers to women having like, you know, more wealth or equal wealth to men. And then we have all of these societal and like misogynistic barriers of like people just not being good company or not having enough self-awareness to be open-minded on these dates and actually have the true intentions of getting to know you. How many times, let's be honest, how many times have you gone on a date and been like, this is my husband on a first date? And then, like, this person is, like, my life partner. How many times? 
like people have grown on me. Like it's maybe not the first date, but they kind of grow. Period. <laughs> Since heterosexual men grow on you, they grow on you after they prove themselves mm-hmm. to not be like the rest. So I do not see why anyone from a marginalized community should be paying out of pocket to spend time with cis heterosexual men specifically. And this is why you don't even hear queer people discoursing about dates because there's no misogyny and like patriarchy, like <laughs> interwoven so intricate, intricately in this conversation. Do you know what I mean? There's a reason that lesbians are not on the internet fighting every day about who should be paying for dates. Do you know what I mean? And there's also a reason why a lesbian can go on a date pay half and still be okay with it yeah and honestly i sometimes i get all over the place when i talk about this but like simply put all i'm trying to say is that as a cis heterosexual man who is trying to be in a relationship with a woman or even a queer identifying individual it is not enough for you to bring 50 50. you are constantly have to be going out of your way and bending over backwards right to create equity in like what essentially like this mad hole that society has created so it's not enough for you to be like oh i'm a feminist ally or like no i you know believe that women should get no just pay for the fucking date do you know what i mean yeah consider all the factors that go into like I'm just, like, right now in my head, I'm painting a picture of, like, two different people getting ready for a date. One of them is a cishet man in, like, his late 20s. And the other one is, like, a woman in, like, a young girl who's probably 22. Because men also love to date young, Mm. right? I just imagine, like, these two scenarios and the amount of just, like, general effort, work, and risk that's going into, like, coordinating this date. It's not 50-50. Mm. No matter how I'm imagining it. And, you know, at the risk of sounding like an echo chamber, I'll just, I'll stop there. But, yeah. No, thanks for that and going into, like, so much detail. I've I've always, like, in my experience, thought about it like, well, I've said this before in in previous episodes where I didn't realize how, I, I guess, the expectation of a man paying for the date was ingrained in me until I dated someone who saw no problem with me paying for dates and I felt kind of like I felt like okay I've had to like what you're saying I've had to tell people where I am I had to you know get my I had to I picked this boy up like please don't judge me it was it was I was I was oh, young no. like what you're saying I was 20 I was 21. Oh, no. I was 21 I picked this man up I had to tell people where I was going I picked the place, we got to the place, we had the date, we had the food, the bill came, I took care of the bill, and I felt very, like, shortchanged in the whole situation. Like, you know how... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I felt shortchanged not because I had to pick him up, not because I had to do any of that. I felt just shortchanged at the fact that to go out with this man, to put all the effort into going out with this man, not only did it cost me, like, all the emotional and whatever you know preparation it takes also the preparation you have to make for like your safety and everything but the fact that i also had to pay financially just to be in this person's presence didn't feel like it was worth it in that moment and i was really young but i was surprised by myself because 
in all the cool girlness in the mentality that I had getting ready for the date, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't bother me that he probably won't pay for it or I'm ready to pay for half, you know? Now I just, I, I, I can't do it. If I have to pay, your chances are you're not going to see me again. Do you know what I mean? So that's like the personal, yeah. from my personal experience, I have felt kind of like stifled because we're not looking at these things in the same way. It's kind of like when you're, a student and you're hanging out with your friend who's working when you're looking at a menu it's the same menu but you're not looking at it in the same way at all there's so many exactly that are coming into play like you i'm thinking meal satisfaction for the amount of money that i'm spending and this person is probably thinking what do i feel like today you're like you're not looking at this you're not considering it from the exact same aspect so yeah i completely agree with you and thank you for explaining that in like such a clear-cut way as well i really appreciate and enjoy that actually so i hope that deads the conversation splitting the bills not equality full stop yeah um, period i mean i think when we talk a lot about splitting the bill is probably when a lot of people can understand the difference between gender equity and gender equality um equality kind of saying hey like let's have the same resources but equity also saying okay that it's fine like let's have the same resources but let's also start on a level playing field because if we start with the same resources but you are closer to the goalpost um that that does not fix the marginalization problem a hundred percent and i think just to add to that i hate that the equity equality conversation kind of sort of always turns into like comparing an iPhone to an Android or a laptop to a MacBook or whatever, they're not like the, the playing field is not a level. Like we can't ignore the differences, the different lived experiences, all of those things and come to a conclusion. I think it's so important to acknowledge different perspectives and acknowledge differences that are there. Do you know what I mean? To make it like for, there's no way to level the playing field, but there's a way to accommodate our differences, if that makes sense. And I think, when it comes to even things as simple as relationships, we're not experiencing the same thing. Like, regardless of the makeup of the couple, I don't think anyone's having the exact same experience, which is where expectations kind of shift as well. Great. Um, so for you, in all the relationship experiences you have had, right now, what does equality in a relationship look like to you? And under what circumstances have you felt most at par with the partner? I want to say, and this is something that actually came from, I think equality for me is imagining new ways to live, imagining new blueprints of norms and roles and like household roles and relationship roles and actually kind of acting them out. Um, so it's not really enough to say like, oh, like, you know, the current way of, equality and relationships doesn't make sense or is flawed we actually have to create new ways to live right and we have to find new ways to keep evolving mm -hmm. so when i think of equality i think two people bringing in a hundred percent it's not two people giving 50 50 it's two people giving the best that they have the best that they can at that time which is why for example i would not expect that in a relationship where one partner makes 25k and the other makes 5k that they're paying equal rentals or even contributing to the household the same because yes we are equal partners in this house but because we are equal partners in this house there should be some kind of equity 
and it should be proportional in the way that we financially contribute to the relationship, right? Which is why sometimes the person who doesn't work, for example, is doing more housework, right? And that's less because of generals. And I'm speaking from this, like about this from a queer perspective. So obviously not really addressing like patriarchal generals in this particular context, but just that like, if I spend more time at home, I'm gonna cook because I was home, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, if I make more money, then I'm going to pay more so that my partner could have just as much disposable income as me, for example. Mm. So that to me is a very everyday example of what it looks like for two people to be giving 100%. And I find that giving 100% allows you to then at some point or during certain periods to not be 100%, right? Because if I'm always giving you 100 and tomorrow it feels like I'm giving you 70, you're gonna know it's because that's all I have. You know what I mean? Literally talking about money and effort. <laughs> oh, I, I like that a lot because when I thought about this question and when I was thinking of, you know, what response on my end, I don't think I've ever felt at par with a partner before. And I don't know what equality in a relationship would look like. Um, so far, my experience has either been I'm carrying a lot of the emotional labor, some instances, a lot of financial labor as well, or I've been in relationships with people who earn more than me. So I automatically put myself at the lower position, like outside of like wage gap and everything. I've either been like a student or being working in Zimbabwe means I'm getting paid a lot less money than what a, you know, standard minimum wage is. So I've always looked at myself as being below and trying to get up to someone's level or having the expectation that this person is going to, like what you said, put more in so that we both have the same amount of like disposable income. But I actually have no clue what circumstances would have to exist for me to feel at par. And putting in those patriarchal roles, um, even if I was making a lot of money, whether it's society or... Um, if I was to have, you know, with, with my partner, I, there would still be an expectation for me to put in more emotional labor, probably put more consideration, do all the thinking for the household in addition to contributing financially. Because for some reason, you know, men cannot patriarch properly. They cannot be single income breadwinners or whatever, but they're also not willing to challenge gender roles and to see how they could, the possibility of even contributing in other ways that are not financial. That's asking, in my experience, for a little bit too much at this point. So I've never actually imagined a time or a situation where I could see equality in a heterosexual relationship. It's very hard to imagine. And even when people, you know, go off on a tangent about my husband cooks for me, he does this, he does this. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But there's a lot of stuff that's being ignored, even in the most, what could appear to be the most equal of situations. They're all the back misogynistic and patriarchal, like foundations and underlying causes. Like, why do you need to point out that your partner cooks for you? Like, should that not just be the standard, if that makes sense? Like, why do you need to point it out? I was, like, reading a really interesting Twitter thread today that was talking about um, it's interesting the way that, like, 
you know, married, cis heterosexual married women have separated themselves from kind of like the, I guess, the, the, the single sisters <laughs> in the sisterhood, um, when in actual fact, there is a lot of labor um, and a lot of puppet shifting that they are doing within their own marriages to keep them alive. Um, and yet the impression to society and to people in their circles is that it is this extremely fulfilling thing. And those of you that have not been chosen are not worthy. But in your own situation, you are still constantly trying to prove that you are worthy to this person who is supposed to be your life partner. And I just thought that was really, really interesting. There was another thread a couple of years ago where a woman and her husband had been paying, I think, 50-50 bills um, like since they got married. And I think they've been married for a while, maybe six, seven years, only for her to find out that he literally makes like 15 times more than her. And she was like, I'm leaving him. And I was like, I know that is right. <laughs> I know that's right because that is an example of someone who hates you. If yeah. you make 15 times more than me, more than me, and obviously not to make any assumptions about their relationship, I am simply using probably the experiences of many around me to show the way the norms of many when I say that women, even where they are going 50-50, still have to do a lot of the mental gymnastics mm. in order to get their partner to do some of these things that are said to be, that are gender norms, right? So yes, your husband is cooking for you, but did you mention the part where he makes you cut up all the onions? <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. But like, yes, he's going to take out the trash, but is he going to do it unless you ask? You yeah. know what I mean? So now you always have to ask. So not only are you going 50-50, but you're kind of taking a supervisory, make sure it's always done role in your home. And then on top of that, like you said, you're going 50-50. And then on top of that, you find out this person has been making 15 times more than you. And I don't think it's entitled um, of someone to expect their life partner, their long-term life partner with whom they are building a home and a life to be very transparent about their finances and to be, I want to say, not so selfish, I guess. That's that's crazy. I completely missed that one because y y you, you still get to be selfish. Like the, your partner could still get to somehow be selfish. Whereas like what you're saying as a woman, even if you're married, you have to be completely selfless to consistently prove not only was I chosen, but this is why I continue to be chosen, which looks and sounds exhausting. Yeah, yeah, that is a that's a whole other episode. See, this is why I appreciate you. I'm just yeah. a lot. <laughs> discourse. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, so <laughs> my next question is what are other economic expectations that are not talked about often but have an impact on relationships? Huh. <laughs> I do not actually have an answer to this quite yet. I, I have like a, a, a tiny a story time, which is where this um this question sort of came up. So I was dating someone and um the idea of going to a concert came up, right? And their first, so they're in a foreign country. I'm here in Zim. And when we're talking about the idea of this concert coming up, they were like, okay. I, I was like, all right, listen, it's going to take me a while to save up the money to buy this ticket right now. But the concerts are going to sell out. So could you please maybe buy me this ticket? I will pay you back. 
like in good time by the time we go to this concert i'll be able to pay you back for the ticket right but could you buy it right now and they were mad hesitant because they were like what if we break up before we buy this ticket and i was like excuse you what i was so i was so i was so confused by that because i'm like okay what if i pay for a visa to come and see you and we break up what if i pay for a flight to come and see you and because the whole reason i'm going to that other country is to come and see you and we break up like there are all these other there were all these other expectations outside of the ticket that i had and all i was asking for was not for flights not for a visa not for anything but just for this ticket because i'm just assuming you know we're on the same page with this and this really impacted the way i looked at the relationship because I was asking for such a small part of a bigger expectation. So our relationship expectation was I would come to this foreign country to see you. We maybe took for granted or didn't discuss all the financial aspects of it. But for this little part, I was just kind of like, excuse you? Um, where's this supposed to? Yeah, you know? I mean, this actually ties pretty well to the first question which was should there kind of be these economic expectations mm-hmm. and probably we're getting to this but it's kind of a red flag to me if someone is not willing to spend any money on you because i mean in that particular situation i'm thinking okay so what if you don't get your what 50 pounds back from this ticket like <laughs> if we were to break up but why is that something that you're thinking about right now and like you're not even willing to put 50 pounds on this relationship like you're not willing to bet 50 pounds on this relationship right and i don't want to get all capitalist entrepreneur but the entrepreneurs know that when you start a business you put your life into it okay you hustle like you have no fallback plan right you get in there, like, this is all you have. That Like, if this doesn't work out, you die. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we eat or we die. So for me, if you're getting into a relationship and you're saying, oh, my God, like, I don't want to spend money. Like, what if, what if, what if? Then you don't even believe that it's going to work out. And if you don't believe it's going to work out, then what are we doing? What are we even doing? Exactly. What are we doing? Exactly. I do like, I like that analogy a lot. Um, and it does really explain um, that, and it, oh, yeah, like what you're saying, it goes into the first question really nicely, that if you are not ready to put in not only emotional effort, but like some financial effort into it, what actually are we doing? If I have high financial expectations of you and you can't meet them, why are we together? Do you know what I mean? Those are justifiable things to have. So yeah, no, definitely. I like that analogy a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Discourse queen. <laughs> so I think I think that goes into like the last question, and I think it sort of answers it from your point of view. I don't know if you want to unpack that a little bit, but the notion of that if they don't spend money on you, this person is not serious. Is this a genuine like way of thinking relationship wise? Is it an indicator of the seriousness of a relationship in your experience? Or is that just a very capitalistic or maybe even selfish approach? to viewing where a relationship could go. The thing is, right, you have, like, expectations of a cis-heterosexual man and suddenly you're pocket-watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> suddenly you're pocket-watching, Yeah. but they always have expectations of you. And again, this is something I've had an episode about, about patriarchy-rigged love languages. 
um, where the guest was saying, like, if you're a woman and you say, like, oh, like, no, my love language is, like, quality time or acts of service, like, that's great, fantastic, I'll spend time with you, I'll come see you, I'll come park outside your house and never come in. Um, but suddenly, like, if you say it's acts of service, then, like, you're a gold digger, do you know what I mean? Whereas kind of, like, men have the freedom to express how they want to be loved, even if that involves um, women's financial investment sometimes. So men can say, oh, like, I like acts of service without someone having to bat an eye, even though men are literally the biggest gold diggers on the planet, homosexuals, uh, borrowing money that they never intend on giving back, scamming, like, I... (laughs) So, for me, definitely, the short answer is just that when you're invested in something, you pour into it. It's not really about how much you pour into it. So, you know, love is not only for the rich, right? Love is not only for the rich, but you must still pour into it, right? As little as you have you're still going to be making an effort. You still have to be making that proportional effort to show that, like, this is me and this is what I have and this is what I have for you because I want it to be ours. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're holding your pockets, for me, that's also kind of reinforcing that whole, like, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours thing. And there's no room for that in a life partnership, right? Period. Um, I know that... Again, I'm speaking from the perspective of a queer woman, and I know that as a cis heterosexual woman who's married to a man or dating men, you must always make sure that you have your own things on the side because they're unpredictable. But I still think that that approach of kind of like togetherness and like this is ours and this is what we are building and this is how we do it. And I think that any person who is in a happy and successful and whatever relationship, I think they will tell you that that part needs to be checked. And I think, I imagine that's probably why a lot of people sometimes break up after moving in together because then you are then confronted with that part of the relationship where it is no longer enough for you to say, oh, I'm coming on the date and sit on the date and be like, oh, I'll pay this time, you pay that time. But now actually sitting down to be like, how much do you have? How much do I have? How much do we need for soap and toothpaste? Um, and yeah, someone who's not willing to do that um, or who's not in the mindset to get to that place with you, I think it is obvious in the way that they hold their pockets, the way that they clutch their pockets. So that's what I'll say about that. Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. And I think about it in the context of like friendships as well, where I think if you know a friend of mine provides a service or they're selling something and um you know you ask them for a discount if it were me i would kind of take offense to that because i'm like why won't you pay full price for you know my service um and to me that would speak volumes about you know the value it's an involuntary thing but it it would tell me about the value you probably place on my service or of me that you would think it's not worth you know paying the full price for um, from, of course, a heterosexual perspective, which I can only speak about 100% if they don't spend money on you, they aren't serious. Um, and this isn't even like um, large sums of money, but if the logistics of doing something nice for you overwhelms that individual, do they really care? I don't know. 
Um, but what I really admire, and if you don't like me sharing a little bit, but something I've always admired about your relationship is how you and your partner are always very open with your financial standing, but that regardless of what you tell me of any kind of financial struggle, y'all always do the nicest things for each other and the most thoughtful things, which is something I personally have never really like experienced before. And it's like, I'm just in awe of that, honestly. And I'm just like, okay, that is the standard. And even in our friendship, something I appreciate is also regardless of whatever financial circumstances are going on, um, I really enjoy the romantic parts of our friendship in the sense that I feel like you're willing to go out of your way to make my life easier in any way, shape, or form, which also makes it difficult to accept the bare minimum out here because I'm like, well, if I'm experiencing this, why would I settle for any less from a romantic partner, if that makes sense? So I really do appreciate that, and I do take the statement quite to heart. And it's not even about the spending money, but it's when you're kind of like holding on to your pockets about supporting people you love. I think that for me bothers me more now in my age as I get older. It bothers me a little bit more because it speaks volumes to other aspects of a relationship or even the character of an individual. So I, I, I do think it rings true. Thank you so much. Wow, that was so nice. I didn't even want to, I wanted to say something, but I really didn't want to interrupt you. But that's, that's so nice. Thank you, mate. No, no worries. No worries at all. Yeah, I was just going to agree with you. Like, definitely from a, like, cis heterosexual, like, perspective, if a man is not spending money, then I don't know what to tell you, babes. I don't know. <laughs> Considering that, like, patriarchy has literally allowed men to weaponize, like, <laughs> their, like, finance, financial positions, like, in society, to like either like lure women in or to exploit women like if a man is not even spending money he's not even interested i'm sorry i know i'm making kind of like i'm making a comparison to something incredibly toxic to make a point about something else but if we really kind of like sit down even just for two minutes we will connect the dots between those two places okay we will connect the dots between financial exploitation and like men not spending money because they're just not serious. Mm -hmm. We'll connect them. I'm unhinged enough to connect them. I'm just not going to get into it right now. <laughs> like this is the place, but yeah, we'll have another episode. Don't worry. Period. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. But thank you, Tina. This was amazing. I really enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciate you always making the time to be on this platform and for your consistent support always, I really do appreciate it. Oh, it was so good. Thank you for having me. No worries. And of course, we'll be back. I feel like there's so much more to unpack. I feel like the, the exact same way I felt after our first episode, I'm like, yeah, if there's time, could we just circle back to that point? And I feel like, yeah, we just need a roundup of all these little points, basically. Yeah, just one episode dedicated to all the loose ends. Exactly. Just tying those up. But thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. 
And that is the episode. A huge shout out and thank you once again to my guest, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us for a second time and for sharing your point of view from such an honest, candid, and in your usual no-holds-bar fashion. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate you. If you enjoy listening to the feminist perspective of all topics political, economic, social, and everything in between, do tune in to Tina's podcast, The Feminist Bar. I will include a link to that in the description of this episode and obviously tag it all over social media. So yeah, look out for that. And her podcast is honestly one of my faves. It's a big inspiration for me. Um, So yeah, I do hope you enjoy that too. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. A major shout out to everyone who has supported on the PayPal platform. I appreciate it so much and um it's really going all your support is really going a long way into us expanding into other media and i'm so excited to share you know what's coming in the near future um so yeah look out for that and of course i would love to hear your views on this episode your experiences with finances in relationships so do not forget to follow us on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kim Yojek on Twitter. I would love to hear from you. And just a small note, this week we crossed the 2000 download mark and I am really happy about that. You know, um, after I recorded the very first episode of this podcast, I shared with the guest, Amanda, that if I reach 200 downloads i'll be good like that would be an amazing milestone to cross and that milestone got crossed much quicker than i expected and as the podcast continues to grow i i'm just really excited about it as i've said before this has become a real passion of mine and i just enjoy creating this content so much and i'm so happy that people all over the world are enjoying it too so thank you i hope the content stays fresh relatable if you want to be a part of it dm me if there's someone you would like to have on whatever it is just let me know i appreciate all the engagement i appreciate you i appreciate the support and with that i am signing off and i will catch you next week